0: Hello, my name is Mark Gibson, and you're listening to the podcast version of the Chagask Signpost Series, a weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming.
1: Good morning, and uh, welcome to this morning's Signpost Series webinar, uh, which is brought to you in association with Dairy Sustainability Ireland, Food Drink Ireland, Skillnet, and National Rural Network. I'm Tom O'Dwyer, um, and I'm your host for this morning's webinar. Uh, This morning, I'm joined by my Chagas colleague, Dr. Catherine Keena, Countryside Management Specialist in Chagas. And Catherine joins us to talk about hedge planting and management, and also uh, the launch of Hedge Roll Week 2023, uh, which starts today, the 1st of September, and runs over the next week uh, until Friday, the 8th of September. Um, To help with questions this morning, I'm joined by a second Chagas colleague, Eddie Burgess, Uh, Eddie is the water quality specialist with the Agricultural Catchments Program in Chagask, Um, uh, and as I said, uh, he will be helping me with uh, uh, your questions uh, later on this morning. Uh, Good morning to you both, Catherine and Eddie.
2: Morning, Tom. Morning,
1: Morning, Tom. Morning, Morning, everyone. Uh, Okay, Uh, you're welcome. Um, Before we start, Catherine, um, uh, just a couple of questions uh, for yourself. Today is uh, a significant day, the 1st of September, for two reasons. As I've I've said in my opening comments, it's the start of hedgerow week, um, and it's also an important date in the hedgerow management calendar. But firstly, hedgerow week. um, Yeah, tell me a little bit about that, Catherine.
2: Well, it's the fifth year, Tom, um, of Hedgehog Week. Uh, it was a Chagask initiative back in 2019 and we went virtual during COVID and came out the other side and do a bit of everything now. And uh, this is very different this year because we are fortunate to be joined uh, by the Heritage Council. So it's a joint initiative this year. So as a result of that, we were very fortunate during the week to have two ministers to launch the week. So we had Minister Pippa Hackett and Minister Malcolm Noonan on a farm in County Dublin with lovely hedge. And um, so and they are going to uh, launch it through a video clip now.
3: I'm here to launch Hedgerow Week 2023. It's a joint initiative between Chagas and the Heritage Council, and it's all about celebrating and promoting hedgerows across the country. Uh, as a farmer myself, and a beef and sheep farmer, I understand the importance of hedgerows not just as a, you know, a barrier for around fields and as a shelter for the livestock, also for the, the supports they provide for wildlife. They're, they provide shelter, they provide food, um, they provide corridors for, for animals, big and small, to travel around from one field to another. So they really are vital in our support of biodiversity. Um, well, to, to today's launch is all about Hedgerow Week. There's a number of events up and down the country. I really would encourage people to you know seek them out, uh, find out what's on near you, and, and go and attend and learn something maybe new this year about hedgerows you didn't know about. Um, I'd also strongly encourage farmers and contractors to you know c- coming into this new hedge cutting season to think about wildlife, think about what hedgerows can do to support biodiversity, and you know to be sympathetic to that cause.
0: So we're here to launch uh, Hedgerow Week 2023, uh, a really important week in celebration of our hedgerows, which are unique here in Ireland and something very, very special right across the island of Ireland. Our hedgerows are hugely significant. They're important corridors for wildlife, they're important for foraging, for food, not just for other creatures, but for us as well. And it's beautiful to be here in this lovely farm here today to look at these hedgerows rich with blackberries and lots of other fruits as well. Hedgerow Week is a joint initiative of Tagish and the Heritage Council. It's really important, a hugely significant in terms of our culture and in terms of our biodiversity uh, i would encourage farmers I would encourage wider community to get out and look at the events in their area get out and celebrate our hedgerows throughout hedgerow week 2023
1: yeah i'm um, certainly looking at the hedgerows featured in that video catherine you know as uh, some great examples of hedgerows it looked like to me and i'm sure maybe you'll be coming back to to um uh, mention maybe some of the features of those hedgerows during your, your presentation. Um, but just also before I uh, uh, we, we go to your presentation, I also mentioned that the 1st of September is a significant date in the hedgerow management calendar. Uh, maybe just, uh, you know, wh- why the importance of the, the 1st of September as a date calendar
2: uh, in the calendar, yeah. uh, Catherine? It is the the start of the hedge cutting season that you mm-hmm. can cut hedges. So it's six months when we couldn't cut. And the reason for that was because of birds nesting. Um, now there still can be fruit and food on the hedges. So some people will delay it just because it's the first doesn't mean we have to cut. But mm-hmm. we are allowed now to cut and uh, manage. We'll, we'll touch on that through the presentation.
1: Yeah, and, and actually, sorry, it just reminds me in the video, there was um, l- very evident fruit on the hedgerows on the farm where the launch event took place. And, and just looking around the countryside at the moment, to me, it's quite striking the the red reddy colour beginning to emerge on the, the white horn or, or hawthorn hedges. It's, it's quite striking. I think this autumn or maybe it's that so. way every, every autumn.
2: I think we had a fantastic if you remember back hadn't we a fantastic white mm. countryside and the weather I think just suited it we we actually saw both the white thorn and the black thorn so we're we're now reaping the rewards of that I think
1: absolutely actually yeah okay so uh we we could probably talk more Catherine but um we we've, we've invited you on this morning to make a presentation so over to you now Catherine I uh, I'm looking forward to hear, hearing your presentation
2: thank you Tom. Um, so again, just to, to reiterate about hedgerow week and uh, some of the events, I'm going to briefly go through what's on and, and I'm grouping them into, into three different lots. So there's the farm walks on the Chagask farms uh, for farmers, but also very much for, for um, you know, the, the local communities, for any non-farming people, because um, we've had great discussions when we get together. So going right around the country from Kildalton and Kilkenny up to Grange and Mead, uh, Bally Hayes in Cavan, Ch- uh, Athenryne in Galway, and then back down to Cork um, on Thursday and Friday next week, Clan and Moore Park. So this, you know, we're we're in every region anyway. All farm walks start at 11 and you know, an hour and a half or whatever, um, to, to go through that. And then in this year, this is the, the new initiative with the the Heritage Council and the Heritage Um. Offices and biodiversity offices in the county councils have have come on board with um and and they've just completed their heritage week so they're extremely busy but they're still um and some of these events have to be booked and some of them are booked out so I won't go through them in detail they're on the website to go there but the walks and talks by Kildare county council a lovely podcast um with Offaly county council um again back to Kildare for what's in a hedge by within Anneenilown and Mary O'Connor. Uh, hedge Laying and Wildlife, uh, Nor Vision have a few events. Um, hedges of Kilkenny City, again, Nor Vision uh, on Wednesday and ha- harvesting our hedges in Monaghan, Carrick Library. And again, a few more there in um, in Kildare, what's in a hedge again in Selbridge Library. Uh, a Mass Path Walk, which is lovely to see the fruits of the hedges in Dunmore uh, Church Car Park in Kilkenny. And again, back to Monaghan in Clonus for uh, in the library. So lots of them, um, a number of events there. Just to go to the website, I think Yvonne has put the link into the uh, into the chat. So you just, it's hedgerowweek.ie and you'll see everything. Okay. Um, today's talk began out of hedge workshops we held this summer with kind of key stakeholders which i wanted to kind of help get my head around and what we're saying because i've been talking about this for many many years as as i often say and i don't you know okay they're more important now but i think we have a lot to, to do I, I haven't been successful and i need others to help me to get the the message over and get the right message over for our hedges so we had workshops in in kildalton Chagas kildalton Chagas valley hayes and in caffrey in greenmount county antrim we went to brian irvine and nicola up there and i uh, saw some fantastic edges So this, the reason it just took off during the summer, it was something we'd intend to do, and myself and Ruth Wilson from the All Island Pollinator Plan often talked about, especially going to the north to see um, Brian's work there. So um, the, but this actually arose out of a webinar, and I'm going to be touching on some of their work again. Uh, You may remember, Actually, it wasn't 2023, sorry, it was 2022, Francoise uh, Burel and Jack Baudry um, were on the webinar. And if you want to look back on that, some of the things I'm quoting out of them. But because they didn't get over last year, they actually came this summer um, and joined us for those hedge workshops. Um so following that we have an expanded hedgerow stakeholder group and all are welcome to join if, if there are other people interested. Um t- we had two online meetings in August then with kind of the thoughts of the, the The people who are very much engaged in hedges with their work uh, and we circulate now the views. I firmly believe we need a winter site visit because you cannot look at structure during the summer. Everything looks good in the summer. So this work is very much to be continued. And as I said, all are welcome. But I will be feeding in um, what we've done so far through my presentation today. So, again, uh, there wasn't agreement on everything far from it. Um, but there was agreement on some things, and I suppose uh, I, I'm not so sure that I'm even looking for agreement. I'm looking for understanding and, and discussion and seeing where other people are coming from. But certainly, the one thing we all agreed: for people who to give up their work, to give, give up their time to engage in such a group, uh, we all passionately believe hedges are important. But sometimes for very different reasons, and that's fine. Um, that's the common common uh, commonality: we all love hedges. One of the reasons there, as I said, there's a number of reasons, biodiversity, food, carbon, water. I could go on and on, landscape, you know, lots of lots of reasons. Um, But biodiversity is the one that gets highlighted a lot. And um, we just need to remember when we are talking about what is biodiversity. And it's all the flora we have, all the fauna and all the habitats. So when it comes to hedges, um, we're talking about all the flora and fauna that live in them. Um, And to remember that one quarter of all organisms on the planet are found in soil, so we we must remember the soil in the hedgerow, Um, and from a biodiversity point of view, we need to maintain all our native species of flora and fauna um, which have been here for 10,000 years and are in tune with each other regarding timing of flowering and other growth stages. And I uh, Dumont one a paper uh, in 2005 warned of the dangers of aesthetically pleasing or charismatic species being favoured over ugly ones. Um, so when we're when we're people who understand and are interested in biodiversity must think of all and a single species focus can be dangerous um you can think of lots of examples where what's good for one species isn't good for another and that's you know um that that's we just need to keep that in mind when we're we're talking about hedges uh, we have 689,000 kilometers of hedges uh, we're using a very broad definition of hedgerow from earthen bank with um some vegetation to stockproof hedges and all in between such as the picture we're looking at there so um it's it's a it's a beautiful picture, but uh, some people would say that's not a good hedge, and you know it isn't worth keeping. Um, but I suppose my point is that it, we're thinking when my my biodiversity hat is on, um, I'm I'm seeing lots of things there in the gaps in the soil in the invertebrates in, in the. Um, the plants at the base the mosses, the lichens the fungi the you know the invertebrates so it's i'm just making the point that a hedge is about more than the hedge species and it's about more than stock proofing and um, so all, all our existing hedges and actually one of our farmers um, Brian brandon is on one of the calls you know his his only comment which i think was powerful was we should look after the ones we have because i think we we're talking about planting and how to plant but it was a very good point um, and again, just explaining why why we talk about native when we're talking in biodiversity, that again, the species that have been here for 10,000 years are in tune with each other. And, you know, the examples we know of the willow and the oak being, being so good because of all the invertebrates associated with them. And I suppose the other extreme to that is when you look at the ornamentals which have a place in the world um in the garden absolutely um but ornamentals do not are not as good for biodiversity they're bred for their looks not for their biodiversity and in general they can be bred to to uh, withstand um <laughs> attack from from um, other other invertebrates so i think in uh, ornamentals don't belong uh, On the farm, certainly, and I think we who who are fortunate enough to live in houses in the countryside need to be careful too about um, uh, the what do you call garden escapees, you know, because they they can be a problem. So then, when we are planting, we're talking about from a biodiversity point of view, Irish provenance means plants grown from seed collected from Irish plants that have been growing in Ireland for the past ten thousand years. So, you know, when, when plants are grown from Irish seed, they are collected carefully from, um, from, from hedges. The origin of plants or seeds determines their adaptability, quality and wildlife value. So tree and again, just explaining the trees of the same species adapted to different regions of Europe can uh, bud, burst, flower and seed at different times. So a white thorn coming from Eastern Europe is not the same as a white thorn coming from Ireland, even though it's the same species, it's not the same provenance and Irish birds, mammals and insects have co-adapted with local Irish tree species. Um, and then there is a word and we're going to be talking about the acres planting in a while, Irish origin. So Irish tree seed sent abroad and seedlings re-imported may be called Irish origin. Um, but they may be carrying pests and disease. so it's it's not as preferential as Irish um, Irish provenance. Okay, so again, I think it was a comment one of the comments that uh, uh, Jack Baudry came back to me with um, about we were we were arguing so much about what we should do um he had the comment about it's important to say what we shouldn't do as well even though we always i know in chocolate we'd be always trying to to show net positively but i think it is important and now we're talking about healthy edges because i think again in the group there's nobody that they in in the and there was about a hundred people on that on that um circulation list who came and went in the in the discussions um and there's nobody there would say we want unhealthy hedges. You couldn't, you wouldn't say that. So therefore, um, healthy hedges... we're very worried about uh, them about our hedges not being healthy, which uh, you know is not maybe clear to everybody because again, as I said, everything looks good this time of year. but um we are concerned about the health of uh so a lot of our hedges. So uh, three things I suppose would be my mission in life um more so than telling you how to do something would be telling you uh, that, you know to make it clear that it's not good to reduce the height of treeline line hedges. Which create mushroom or upside down toilet brush hedges, like the hedge on the left there, um, you know, topped above the wire, and it's what it's not achieving anything. Uh, number two is not to overflail topped hedges, reducing the amount of vegetation, particularly on top of banks, um, as as on the picture on the right. And I don't have a picture for the last one, but not to push over hedges with a digger as an improper. Method. Method of hedging, um those three would be my my no-nos. I suppose apart from removing them, which we want, we want um, that's that's a given. So they would be the three points. So so again, just to touch on the hedging, um, this is what we want. If we're talking about hedging, and there's a lot of farmers hedging in in the under acres, this is what we want: pure skill, pure. Um, these hedges survive then for you know hundreds of years after this kind of treatment. You know they can tolerate clean cuts you know, properly, no water left on them. Um, but bad laying is bad. Uh, OK, the second thing then, um, I suppose that maybe we didn't, I won't say we didn't all agree on, but um, when you think about it from a biodiversity point of view, it is very, very true that diversity is desirable. And I think if there was one thing that um, that Francoise and Jack uh, left us with after the three hedgerow workshops, when they summarised, because their hedges are very different and all that, but and they study the landscape very much so much more, I think, than than we do here. And diversity, diversity, diversity is the words that kept coming out. And in fact, they sent me on about fifty um, uh, peer-reviewed papers, which I can make available to anybody, especially anybody doing research on hedges. Um, but and I did look through them all for this presentation. And again, just some of the comments that that I pulled out. Uh, from from all the, from all their years of work with 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 colleagues, so just again within a landscape, the diversity of hedgerows, land use, and farming systems contribute to the diversity of species. No single hedgerow can harbour all the local species uh, pool of a given group. For example, plants, birds, or insects. The use of a single criterion to define important hedges will be detrimental in the long run as hedges with secondary functions may be removed, though these functions um, may appear important later or in a different context. And another point they came up with, was, and it is true here in Ireland as well, that not all bird species react in a similar way to vegetation uh, dimensions and density. So again, summary is diversity is what we want, diversity of, of healthy hedges so we've got that far now just because we've mentioned the word removal i thought it was an opportune po- time to make one point for it's really important for advisors and farmers to know that the, uh, the 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 land the rules regarding landscape features have changed in 2023 so if a farmer removes a hedge um Previously, if they replaced it with the same length, now it's twice the length, which I think indicates the value of the older hedge is never going to be. You you can't replace and you know a new hedge with an old hedge; it's not equal value. So twice the length is is there now. And again, I haven't covered it here now because I, uh, but not to not to forget the EIA as well. If you if a farmer is removing a hedge. Um, more than 500 metres, are creating a field more than five hectares, which is more likely to happen than the 500 metres you actually must look for permission. So just but that change is what I want to highlight there um, to, to make, give practical information to people. OK, so we've covered healthy, we've covered diversity, and now we're coming to bigger is better, because that's another slogan that was strongly suggested. Um, I like it. Um I was in, in context, I like it. Um density is also very important. I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Well, what we mean by bigger is higher, wider, and denser. And we'll hear a, a lot more about this from, from Lillian O'Sullivan next week when she's talking about the carbon side of hedges. Um so the, the word you may be, this is the kind of what I started off with first to try and get the message about the height up. um, it, it was there was, uh, again, research showing that birds don't nest in uh, vegetation that's less than 1.5 metres uh, because they know the the, uh, the birds of prey will come along on top or the uh the foxes are will come along at the bottom. So they don't nest near the top or bottom of the hedge. They're always at eye level if you ever notice during the winter, if you're out walking and you see the remains of the hedges. So that's purely for it's some a general rule for birds nesting. But obviously we want bigger. We've always said to leave the height as high as possible, leave the peak as high as possible, but for the topped hedges we do want it topped, which we will come to in a moment. And um, so bigger is better is 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 good. Um, in context. So, for the top hedge, um, we there's a fine, fine, tall hedge, um, with uh, retaining occasional trees, but that you can see where when it is cut, the 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 rest of the the hedge is cut. Otherwise, they will turn into trees. It will apical dominance. I think I have a better uh, uh, slide on that frequency of cutting and we heard uh with this pictures from Caffrey beautiful hedge where they're doing a lot of work on on uh, one two year three year cycles um lovely flowers there um beautiful hedge suits that kind of one um now he did say it would be a little bit ragged after the three years um so I suppose I the frequency of cutting is a very hot topic as well and I there isn't agreement on it. And I, nobody's wrong, I suppose, once you, once you realize. Once you understand where other people are coming from, obviously there's more flowers if you leave if you if you don't cut it. You don't get much flowers until a few years. You know you don't get you don't get any after two years. Maybe some after three. That that hedge was was flowering very well, I must say. Um, but some of the older hedges, uh, especially where there's more than white thorn, I would be concerned. Again, I'm going back to a webinar that you can refer back to. There, this you, you'll get the links on this uh, this publica- this. Um, webinar will all be put up on the website and you'll get the links to these previous ones if you have an interest in this but this was one where we were talking about native provenance and in particular the point I'm going to make is about um, plant health reducing the risks to the to the hedges and um, Maria Cullen the Society of of Irish Plant Pathologists you know was making the point again I'm not going to read through this but is, is, is very concerned about the health of hedges and in in particular to to keep them eh uh, she is very worried about rough cuts and we've all seen terrible pictures of rough cuts so her her advice from the health point of view was trim hedges lightly and only when and where necessary um so just that was the point i wanted to bring in here so obviously it's like your garden hedge you know the way to keep the hedge better is to do it little and often um if you have a a different um aspiration for your hedge um for flowers, that's a different... So it's it's a case of what do you want from each hedge and remembering that diversity word. Um, so again, coming back to something that we don't want, and this is the one I think we can have most influence this week now with with uh, with the new hedges being planted. So when we're talking about the topped hedges, you saw the picture I showed you there. I mean, it, it, a bull wouldn't get through it. It's so super that there, there was no wire fences. This is the is is the other image of the topped hedge that I think more people are uh, see when they think about uh, chopped hedges, um, because there is a lot of these around. And, you know, it, it's, uh, again, the, the, the white thorn, when it's planted, wants to grow into being a tree. Wherever you cut it, it will sprout. In fact, it will pull the growth up to that point. And if it's kept cut at that point, then eventually they die out so that's that's a problem and it is still a problem that people do not understand this when they're planting new hedges which is my main mission today um so again uh the the two hedges um you can see there we've again i used to call this one the escaped hedge because it has escaped been topped um at our discussions at people and i'd never like the word escaped kind of it didn't really uh, explain what it is. So I, I'm now calling it a tree line hedge. Now, I, I the reason I was worried about I don't. It's not a tree line because a tree line to me is an avenue with individual you know big mature trees, which was never a hedge. But this is a hedge, so we call it a tree line hedge. is very different to our top hedge. Okay. Um, The tree line hedge, there are other examples of your tree line hedge where the white thorn has never been topped or the other tree species in it. It can be ash, it can be big trees, it can be, but it can be a line of white thorns. Never been topped equals a tree line hedge, which is what, by nature, that's what the hedge wants to do. And uh, the value of this um, is hugely, there's huge value in the canopy of it because you can see full of fruit and flowers and then associated food for birds um, Etc. So the best practice for this is not to, to just side trim it where necessary. Um, people talk about unmanaged hedges. I don't think there's such a thing as an unmanaged hedge, because if you walk away from the field, the hedge will come into scrub. Now, maybe it's cattle that's grazing it and keeping the, the hedge in tow, and maybe you don't call that management, but I, I would. Um, so but so there's never any harm in side trimming a tree line hedge. Um, but the da- the big danger is if, if it's topped, um, at the wrong height. Now, if it's laid properly, that's a different story. We saw the picture earlier, but that's, you know, that's not a, um, the main way of managing our hedges. So these hedges, people still go in thinking, uh, well, let's just go back to this picture here. Uh, you know, oftentimes you'll see a farm, especially when it changes hand and somebody goes in, tidies up the hedge and they cut it off about four or five feet up. And that is not good. And we need to be very clear on that. That is not good practice. And people think they're doing the right thing. So this is why I take it on myself. If I have failed to give that message over, um, it's my my problem. Uh, Then we go on to our top edges against the ones on the top are super. The one on the right is super, super, because it was really dense. Um, The one on the left was probably one that, again, these were all grown so 200 years ago. And I would say 40, 50 years ago when machines came in, were. The, the the one top of the left was top there because it's been managed sympathetically um it's it's doing okay it's not dying on its feet and it has been improved tremendously by leaving for the first time about five years ago, that white thorn, which is now you can see the flowers on it and fruit on it. So every topped hedge, we're demonstrating that at the events this week and uh, how to start to leave a, to- a, a white thorn. And and one every year is the way I would like to do it. Now, in Caffrey, they were doing 10 a year and they were worried about them breaking off. And true to their word, I see one of our own broken off in a hedge. But at the same time, I, I like the idea of having one this year on a different height than at a different, um, you know, a different stage of growth but the ones at the bottom are the serious problem so um, what we want to do is stop this happening our newly planted hedges so the top hedges then has huge diversity in the base you can see all the birds and mammals etc and the soil and all the things and it can have now that's only an occasional tree there it can still have some of the canopy benefits if it has the occasional tree in particular a thorn tree we were great in reps at leaving ash trees because they're were, they were good for firewood but what we particularly want to demonstrate now is leaving a, a thorn tree first Um. so the best practice management of the top hedges is to side trim from a wide base to a triangular profile, cut the growing point to prevent escaping, leave the peak as high as possible, at least one and a half metres, but as big as possible, as big and high, retain occasional thorn saplings and allow mature into flowering fruit and fruiting trees, cut little and often. Now, my worry is that most of our hedges are actually not that dense at the base. So when Lillian is talking next week about topped hedges, I, I worry that I think... Um, and she she'd speak for herself next week. That most of the topped hedges, because that's what we have in the country, are the tree line hedges which have been cut down, and they are still stumpy. Um, this is a clearly one not so good. No flowers or fruit in that one. That speaks for itself. So no trees uh, left in it. But that's a very easy one to rectify. As I said, this autumn, if we could get every topped hedge in the country. To leave one thorn, one bunch of thorns, is it? It's not too much to ask. I think the problem is people, advisors, and farmers say to me, "I don't have a thorn tree." They don't understand what we're looking for there, so that's why we're demonstrating that this week. Um, okay, so for um, for a sorry for hedge planting, then just to go through because this is the there are two thousand kilometers being planted. I think that's about five thousand farmers, if I'm right. Um, a huge amount of plants have been needed. There will be an issue there. Um, acres Circular, just to know that the acre spec has changed, that it is no longer a requirement to plant at least three species or to have not more than 85% of one, making up the total, Uh, however it is recommended. So obviously, yes, the issue is getting the I love mixed species hedges up to the 85%. I think that's a a lovely because you need structure with the thorns. But the problem is getting the Irish provenance and in particular of the minor species. Um, and for acres, they must be Irish origin or provenance, must be purchased from registered producers. But that's that's we won't solve that that problem, or that's that's a case of knowing that. What I really want to the message from from now until I finish soon is that um, for those five thousand farmers, when they ask the advisor, or when they ask, "I want um, what what will I plant?" The first question is, "Which hedge do you want?" Uh, because they're being mixed up. And to understand that the white, the, the whip in, in, in um, the advisor's hand there on the top of the left, its whole mission in life is to grow into being a tree, like the ones in the middle and like the ones at the bottom, eventually, after 200 years. They are a line of trees. Um, that's apical dominance. That's what trees do. That's what White Thorn does. But White Thorn also thrives on being um, pruned, a, a incremental cutting, we heard a lot about it in Caffrey um, it's it's it, it's just common sense it's not about cutting, it's it's about not cutting back to the same point every year it works superbly with our and this is the demos we have on, a, on our 10 Chagas farms at this stage where we're doing 10 metres each year so you can see the progression so at the, um, down at the bottom there was the one that has two seasons growth and has been cut once and multiplied to 5 cut twice, multiplied to 25 And in February this year, we'll be cutting again. So you can imagine you will hardly get into the hedge after that. Um, Planting a top hedge then, to me, you must build up from a dense base. Choose hedgerow species that tolerate trimming, plan for occasional white thorn trees, Uh, protect each of these with a tree guard you can see my picture there and I think when we did a huge amount of hedgerow work back in 06 um, we didn't get that message over because we didn't keep showing pictures of it uh, to leave the tree day one because people once they get into the pruners into their hand they actually get passionate about um, prune everything and forget the tree now you can leave the crooked tree as we're doing in our existing topped hedges um, but if you're starting from the start, you may as well start at the, at the at the bottom, at the beginning. So then you prune it back and push compostable film over the prune stumps and prune each year afterwards. The more, uh, providing you're doing the incremental cutting, the more you prune, the denser it'll be. And there's the picture there. And uh, that's what we'll be showing this week. Uh, the cost, compostable film suppliers, the, the names are there. They'll be on the presentation afterwards. Uh, Samco and Maze Tech in Ireland um, so it's about 60, 70 cents per meter, depending on the width. I would go the wider, the better, unless you're going to do some walking down with the vegetation. So then the the opposite is to plant a new tree line hedge. Do not prune after planting. And then you cannot use the combustible film. Um, it's not possible to do it. You can throw down bark mulch, but not every farmer has it or can get it. We're trying sheep's wool. The sheep farmers have, have suggested that to us. And I'd say it's going to work superbly, but never to top it. I think this is the worry, is that people, when they, those new hedges, when they're planted, um, when I ask, when they don't do the dense base at the beginning, and when I ask people what what's their plans, oh, we'll top it later. And that is creating the upside down toilet brush edge, um, a mushroom hedge that we don't want. Okay so um i suppose my message then is we want both types on every farm and we want all types now i again i've covered that because i totally believe in every as as i say broken down hedge everything but when you're planting a new hedge i don't think you're going to plant or plan a broken down hedge or plan to do a, an earth bank so you're probably going to want a, a full hedge and then you this is where it's really important to decide so just in summary then our overall uh best practice one now this is where maybe everyone has different angles some people will believe in laying everything in a cycle and that's fine some people will want to leave them all as tree line hedges again that's fine um I suppose I'm trying to move people who have all topped hedges uh, and this is what I would, uh, the vision I would suggest for our commercial farms to have some tree-line hedges. Um, we must say, sing the praises of those and I, maybe I haven't done that much and again, I've been pushed by some of the contributors um, to our our, uh, our group to do this more. I, I mean, I absolutely love them. I, I cry when I see a hedge, one of those being cut down because it's 200 years chopped chopped off and on the road to, to, to nowhere. Um, but I, I haven't said as much about them because we kind of don't want to do anything with the money, just side trim if necessary. So then uh, you must follow best practice management for both of them. The elephant in the room is the amount of hedges on the farm, which is down in the back of an envelope by the average field size. And, um, you know, there's no point in talking about hedgerow management if you have three fields of a hundred acres each with only roadside hedges that you have no um, control over maybe um, and the, uh, just the last point then again which I was reminded and pushed by the group to talk about the field margins I tend to see them as a separate habitat I, uh, which I, yeah, I my own colleagues know how much I love them Um so but I need to obviously they're part of the hedge every hedge every field I would love to have a, a field margin I'm just I, I mean I'm stunned how many people do not Realise the money that's available for grass margins, whether they're around a hedge or, in this case, in Chagas, and Rai where we're demonstrating the two metre, four metre, six metre. They don't. They don't even have to be by a hedge. But obviously, when we're talking hedges and um, the amount of money that's available for them per hectare, when people say a euro a metre, it doesn't sound a lot. But you know, when you when you're doing it, when you're talking two thousand euros a hectare. Now the fencing has to come out of that which I know is big for sheep farmers, but I mean, that fence is going to last a long time and none of us can guarantee schemes, but I expect that measure to be there. I would argue the measure should be there forever. Um, so anyway, grass margins, absolutely super, absolutely not planting, no no planting of, of wildflowers, anything like that. They will develop over time. We know that when you pull the nitrogen at the stocking rate, the, um, the the ryegrass goes and then other other things come in, and even the grasses themselves, after a year, are super uh providing seed for the birds and invertebrates in and etc. So I suppose my, my summary then is bigger and denser is better in general. Diversity is desirable, but only healthy hedges will deliver for biodiversity and carbon. And uh Yvonne is going to press a button on a Short video, which uh, again thanks to Declan, Declan Mcardle, um, for for doing the videos for us. Native hedges are incredibly important for biodiversity, as they're generally two hundred years old. And in addition to the hedge plants, the ground vegetation and soil may contain a diverse range of flowering plants, grasses, and invertebrates at the hedge base, in gaps, and in the earth banks. There's a network of hedges in the Irish countryside with an estimated 689,000 kilometres using a very broad definition of hedgerow, ranging from woody vegetation on earth banks to stockproof hedges. While bigger is better, diversity is desirable, but only healthy hedges have a hope of delivering for biodiversity and carbon. With that in mind, it is important not to reduce the height of tree line hedges, creating mushroom or upside-down toilet brush hedges, not to overflail topped hedges, reducing the amount of vegetation, particularly on top of banks and not to push over hedges with a digger as an improper method of hedge laying. Hedges should only be topped where there is a mass of dense healthy growth at the base. Best practice is to cut a triangular or A-shaped profile with the peak allowed to grow as tall as possible while still cutting the growing point to prevent escaping and allow occasional thorn trees grow up and mature. If planting new hedges, decide whether you want a topped hedge or a tree line hedge. Both are good for biodiversity and carbon, provided they are managed correctly for each type. For new topped hedges, newly planted whips are pruned at ground level and a strip of compostable film is pushed over the cut stumps, other than occasional torn trees which are protected with tree guards. New tree line hedges, are not pruned but allowed grow up and must never be topped. The biodiversity of tree-lined hedges is primarily in the canopy, full of flowers and fruit. Topped hedges with a dense base and laid hedges provide nest sites for birds with flowers and fruit on individual trees retained. A diversity of hedges, including tree hedges and topped hedges, is desirable.
1: Okay. So uh, well done, Catherine. A very interesting presentation. Um, so uh, just uh, there's a number of questions in the uh, being submitted by our viewers. A number of uh, additional ones submitted there while the video is playing. Um, so I suppose um, just a question to go back to a, an earlier part of your presentation. I'll, I'll just ask one question, then I'll hand over to Eddie, Catherine. But just um, e- early on in your as you were making your presentation, there was a question submitted. Um, from uh sorry I've lost the name, um, but membership of the stakeholder group you mentioned I had, so there was a viewer interested in participating H- how do they how do they find out about joining that group I yeah well, I mean- con-
2: contact me put it into the questions and answers or our contact Chagask what's okay. 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 the easiest all way right. to say it but all are absolutely welcome yeah.
1: Okay, so, uh, yeah, so Catherine.kina at chagas.ie. Okay, yes, I, please, I, I yeah. Maybe want to put that
2: into the chat
1: there as well, if you yeah. don't mind. Okay, so, Eddie, I'll, I'll hand over to you for the first couple of questions.
0: Thanks, Tom. Um, Catherine, just uh, starting off with a few management ones, really. Any tips on getting rid of briars and the ivy that are choking okay. a white thorn hedge?
2: Yeah, Uh, And much in all, as I love ivy again, Maria Cullen has convinced me um, and when she when she challenged me on it, I can I have seen a lot of hedges that are covered by it. But it is where the hedge is overmanaged, Eddie. It's I can see where the the ivy is clamoring over it. If the hedge is healthy and a, a sufficient height and width and density, I have never seen a problem. So let the hedge grow up um I love ivy but we don't want it it will literally cover a hedge I do agree and the briars so uh, consider how to get the hedge a bit bigger and healthier
0: so am I right in thinking Catherine um somewhat ironic the question is asking how can you control it and really the best method to control it is to leave it alone well to 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 let to the, leave the hedge alone uh,
2: correct correct yeah because yeah, yeah. that, they are super but you yeah yeah
0: yeah um and I suppose with Ivy there was also a, a, more of a comment um than than a question, but um from a beekeeper on um in the new uh, electoral area in Wicklow, Wexford, uh who, who was saying that local authorities are allowing people to trim hedgerows um at times of year that that would be detrimental when hedgerows are flowering and that uh, they were just saying that you're doing great work in that area and creating people's awareness on content. But I suppose
2: safety first always, all was Eddie, Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Um, the, the, I, I think you came to it at the end of your presentation, but there was a, a, a very detailed um, uh, outline of a scenario in Donegal on high ground where they have difficulty in getting... Yes. Uh, hawthorn species to grow. They're saying they can, they, they can get blackthorn to grow, but they're finding okay. it very difficult okay. to get Irish provenance blackthorn. And they're asking, okay. um, and given their experience on growing, uh, what, what I would say are, our are, are, are trees, what, ones that you wouldn't coppice. Um, yeah,
2: now, I actually, it was a farmer, It was at the, at the Organic Open day in Temporary last year, a farmer came up and said for years he'd been trying to grow um, white thorn, you know, coastal, right, but similar idea, exposed, and he said when he followed my idea of pruning back, they grew. Do you know what I mean? And it just made so much sense to me that if you're if in an exposed area, if you leave um, your whip grow up, it's going to get battered. Whereas if you can get it established, it may not be a very tall hedge, but you will get it growing at ground level. You have a much better chance. So white thorns, prune, put down the compostable film or some mulch over them. I won't guarantee it, but I'd be hopeful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, as there's a question when you're planting a hedge, very basic on that. When would you first prune uh, a hedge? Uh, a new day one.
2: Hedge? Day yeah. one, because it goes with the the we like it just makes so much sense. I, in fact, and I wouldn't prune without putting down the combustible film. Um, and we've tried pruning year four, five, and even year 10, and I was very disappointed with the results. Of the vegetation still now, maybe you know, you need more effort. Day one, without doubt, is the best,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, a very specific one, and lots of questions coming in and the question is moving up my screen but but sycamores, um I'm trying to see where it, it's after disappearing. Uh, someone wanted to remove newly um germinated sycamores that have come come out of out of seeds um as saying there are poisonous to horses grazing these fields.
1: I wasn't aware mm-hmm. of that.
0: I'm not aware of
2: that, but at the same time, Eddie, I, I
1: came a, I came across earlier that week where so uh, earlier this week when a, a neighbor was telling me that uh, some horses, uh, yeah, seriously poisoned by eating sycamores.
2: Well, wow. now I got the fright of my life 20 years ago at the plowing when I had my lovely normal display and somebody came in and told me they were poisonous and I said, oh, my God, what am I doing? But then I realized that most things are poisonous in a hedge. It's 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 and they're generally not eaten. You know, we're we're very conscious of you and work but a lot of things are, and they're either not eaten unless something is very hungry or or unless is it, I, I'm not no expert on horses now, but um mm. there's
1: an interesting question there from uh, Thomas, um given the time of the year, but he says he's seen lots of berries on very old Trees um, around his farm, or uh, where he's living. Um, and would you have anything to say about saving whitehorn seed to, to grow on, and and how do you go about doing that? I guess and so on.
2: You get a book called Our Trees, which is on the website if you Google it. It's not an easy task. I wouldn't. I would love if we had you know hundred people out doing it. It's not for everybody, Uh it's a two-year task. Um, when I retire I might try it um, it's not easy but for somebody who's interested I would love to encourage them our trees it was a millennium production and it explains that okay
1: um, there's another interesting question um, I suppose it relates back to our own organisation Catherine and and, and and indeed other private uh, consultants and advisors the question quite simply from sorry it's it's moved on my screen now as well Are there enough advisors around? So, you know, there's only one Catherine Keena. And as Eddie has already said, there's a number of comments complimenting you on the great job you're doing and how you're flying the flag for improved hedgerow management, Catherine. Oh, I think. Yeah. Is are there are there more advisors around the country that can advise on on this?
2: Yeah, there are 800 false advisors and they are far more powerful than me because the farmer trusts them implicitly, whoever they're dealing with, for the mm. most important financial advice and transfer farm advice, etc. Mm. So one word from them, even the right attitude is more important mm. than you know if if there was 10 of me it wouldn't make any more difference so mm-hmm. i i and what what what's, i would see the the hope i would suggest to people who are ho- looking for hope is that in my whatever 30 years of doing this only in the last two can i see a change in attitude. okay so up to then it was what you're doing is lovely it was linked to schemes now everybody is is I'm not saying they're going to do it, but nobody questions that they could or should or, you know what I mean? I think you might understand what I'm saying, Tom. Yes,
1: of course. I, I'll just ask one more question, Eddie, that I've, I've picked out and then I'll hand back to you. Um, it's about fixing this upside, upside down toilet brush or mushroom hedge. Yeah. If, if you've made the mistake, yeah. um, and yeah. whether oh, it I- is, you know, you went in and, and cut the 200 year old hedge at the four or five feet as you described, or whether you planted a new hedge and then managed it for the first time at the four or five feet. And you're now after realizing the error of your ways.
2: Can can it be be resolved? Absolutely. Coppositive. And they're the hedges we should be coppicing, not cutting down those beautiful tree line hedges, which in the past we would have talked about coppicing, and it's still okay to do it if it's done right, or you know, but but we have so many hedges need to be brought back to ground level, and they're not doing much of a job at the moment, so we're okay, when well you coppice or lay a hedge, you have a short term you know loss for a longer term gain, no more than cutting or forestry or whatever but um so yeah, coppice those small amounts, try them out. Uh, and start with the ones where there's a, a stump every meter. Don't go hard on yourself, like the picture I showed there. You know, because plant implanting there is a nightmare compared to doing your new hedge so I would only coppice the ones which have already some of the pictures I showed there where there was literally one every meter but just at the ground at the wrong level so coppice if they're young as I said up to 10 years you probably need a vegetation control I would hope in an older one you wouldn't if it's growing vigorously so yeah yeah
0: a uh, I, I comment on and the question coming in on the species um that are living within a hedgerow. One one comment here. Uh I and I I hope I understand it. It's very deceptive to appear to suggest that there's one thousand four hundred moths, thirty-five butterflies, solitary breeze, etc., found in hedgerows.
2: No, absolutely.
0: Um I I'm I'm assuming that you're talking about the huge range and diversity and types of hedgerows, and you have to look across I, all of them. I
2: don't know how many, and maybe if I knew the figure, um, I don't know that anybody knows how many mats are in the hedges. So I, 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 I take the point that maybe I would, I, I may, I may need to reword that a little bit better, Eddie, because I certainly am not saying that. No, whereas I may have been saying it for the birds, all right, and I know all the bats use them. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, I don't know that all oh, the maths. Yeah, no, I take that constructive criticism. Let's say that's uh, a, You know, it's a good point.
0: Point, and also on a similar note, there was interest in the number of species living in um in in specific tree species, yeah. and and that it was so high with willow and yeah. and considerably lower with Hawthorne or Whithorn? Um, running... I wouldn't
2: say considerably, and that was only one study. So it's... Um, yeah, but no, that is true. Oak and oak and um, willow are way ahead on, you know. But that's only invertebrates, do you know what I mean? You have different... You'll have, you have other... Again, we have to keep thinking of the full biodiversity picture, I suppose that's what I'm coming back to. Um, But there's no doubt about it. If there's more invertebrates there, then there's more associated birds and bats and other things as well. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I think it's the non-natives and the ornamentals that really shock you. Well, they don't shock you when you actually look at them because they don't be covered in. Uh, the willow is a very good example. At the end of the year, it looks very shot and gray yeah. and whatever. And I remember um uh, one farmer being very proud and saying that his willow didn't look anywhere ragged at the end of the year because it was an ornamental willow.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. You know, that's yeah. the point, isn't it? Um, I, I'll three kind of connected questions, one from myself, um, and I'll hand back to Tom then. Just you mentioned that there's nearly 690,000 kilometres of hedgerows across the country. I wonder, how do we know that?
2: Stuart Green uh, and colleagues, our own colleagues, Stuart and the EPA, through the remote sensing. In fact, I had meant to show up his map um, and we have the figure for county and he has the figure for um um, what he calls unmanaged and managed. Now, I would call them tree line and topped. I, you know, we, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. that. No, no, the figures are there, Eddie. It's super.
0: And, and do we know, following on from that then, do we know uh, how the amount of hedgerow nationally has changed over time? Have more hedgerows been removed? Like, I recall doing a project um, many years ago looking at hedgerows when the Ordnance Survey first mapped the country in, in the mid-1800s. Yeah. And again, looking at the same area in the early 1900s, and the amount of hedgerow had increased significantly over that period in the area that I was looking at, which is in the Carlo wicklow wexford uh, region. But um, do we know nationally how hedgerows have changed since the war?
2: I don't know. Now, Lillian works closely with Stuart, so I'd say that'll be a question for her next week. Um, It's it's, it's all there, Eddie, whether anybody's pulled it out or not, you know what I mean?
0: And, and finally, and, and I think it's what you're doing today. There's a question on um, people as was looking at grazing platforms and electric fences on, on big dairy farms. And is, is there more we can do to encourage um, that sector to, to plant hedgerows.
2: Yeah, that's and, why I'm I,
0: guessing.
2: Average field size, we need that metric used on every farm. It's very simple that, you know, it, it, where, the, where the corridors, I don't think I talked about the corridors, the fact that birds, bats, bees, everything goes along corridors. Now, there could be grassy margins, which is super. But um, yeah, so your average field size surrounded by an average, I stress average, because again, going back to the diversity, I'm never talking about a restriction on a big field or anything like that but average field size is a huge my own my own study in waterford like uh, the average varied from from 1.2 hectares up to 33 hectares
0: and, and that, yeah that says yeah. It all. and the benefits there for biodiversity also tie in with my own area of work with water quality i know we have a PhD student who did a paper many years back in the catchments program showing that there was a direct relationship between I, field size and. I, and I do one refer to that. Yeah,
2: hedge landscape is better. Yeah, is better. I agree.
0: Yeah. 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 Tom, I'll hang o- hand over to you.
1: Yeah, this, this is an interesting question, I suppose, uh, particularly given um, the, the cost of living crisis that we all hear about and the price of uh, home heating fuels. Uh, uh, Tim says that uh, traditionally people harvested white thorn hedges for domestic fuel. Any recommendations? Um, Wow. In, in in regard to that, Catherine, an unusual yeah. one, but you no, know, I, I, don't I suppose that think. that does that tie in with laying and coppicing the hedges over the
2: winter time. Yeah, it, it, it can do. Um, I mean, it's usually ash people go for. I I haven't heard of, but you, you'll find all wood. Yeah, no, no great comment other than it's super to use. I mean, that's what they do in France. That's their number one. Where uh, Jack and Francois talk about that. You know, who has the right to get the wood out of the hedges is it serious okay. or was so maybe more so here and the more. People use them for all these different angles, the more I'd be happy.
1: Okay. Okay. And going back to coppicing, then again, there was a question um, Is it necessary to coppice, you know, an entire length, say, of maybe 100 meters, you know, from beginning to end, or could you coppice every four? White corn on on a rotation.
2: Yeah, I look at ideally you do it 10 meters a year, but from a fencing and a practical point of view, you're probably going to do a full side of a field. But I would, if you have a doubt, I would actually do that three or four. I always, even the pruning for the new hedge, I, I do beg every farmer that talks to me to do a meter and I'll guarantee okay. he'll be going back doing the rest of it the next year, if you know what yeah. I mean. So try right. out a little bit, but obviously then practical, how comes into yeah. it if you're getting in a big machine or whatever. Okay.
1: Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good recommendation, actually. Um, a, try, a trial and, or a pilot the first year, see how it works, and then, and then um, yeah. uh, t- take on the project in its entirety then maybe the following autumn. And maybe the final question then, it kind of relates to that, uh, Catherine, uh, I guess if you are laying and coppicing, you are going to have Create Green Waste. Yeah. And just reading the the Farmers Journal this week, it, it talks about that um, the, the the permission is now uh, granted again for one final year. It stresses uh, for farmers to burn green waste. But there are alternative ways of dealing with green waste. And that's the question I want to put to you. My final question. Yeah. What are the alternative ways of, of, of uh, handling or dealing with green waste when you do undertake uh, coppicing or indeed hedgeling?
2: Well, I have two very good ones. One is is, um, to mulch it. Now, that does cost getting a mulcher. And I mean, if it's a small amount, it may not be economical. But if you mulch it, you have, you know, it's a valuable commodity. So that's a possibility. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want a zero cost method, that's good for biodiversity, good for the environment is to find a heap and leave them in it. Let them rot down naturally. They'll become a habitat as they're as they're rotting down. Uh, we have to get away from this neatness. We have to empower people to know that it's okay to do it because that's what mm-hmm. people would say to me. Oh my goodness, somebody will say it's untidy. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's not. A, so if you have a place and not now a, a valuable habitat or a bog or anywhere, but a corner of a field, if you can, um, a heap of wood rotting down is super for the environment and doesn't cost you anything.
1: Okay. Thank you very much, Catherine. That has been um, a highly um, informative um, uh, uh, broad presentation and uh, question and answer session. Um, There's many more questions on the Q&A. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to get to them all, Um, but I think we've asked the the questions which provide a flavor of the the overall questions posed. So thank you very much, Catherine, and uh, thank you to my colleague Eddie as well for your help with the questions. Uh, just to let you, our uh, viewers know uh, that next Friday, as and Catherine has mentioned this, uh, Dr. Lillian O'Sullivan, a research officer from Chavisk, uh, will um, take part in the webinar. And uh, she will talk uh, uh, next Friday about harnessing our hedgerows for the future. Uh, she, I, I suspect she'll be talking about um, uh, storing carbon in hedgerows and so on. Uh, thank you very much for joining us in, this morning. Uh, I hope you have a great weekend. And thank you to Yvonne Mott for uh, producing this morning's broadcast.
0: You've been listening to the podcast version of the Chagisk Signpost Series, the weekly webinar that promotes and examines sustainability in Irish farming. Don't forget to join us live every Friday morning for our latest webinar. For more, visit chagisk.ie. And you can also rate, review, and subscribe to the Signpost Series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Mark Gibson, and thanks for listening.